Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. You've got the Grow in a Grace podcast. Joel Brzezicki here with Mike Kepler. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to um, check out any and all past podcasts. And I mean, you can check them all out. There's over 800 of them. So you might not want to do that. But uh, they are all available for you at growingingrace.org. Some people, I don't know now that we're up to 800 plus, I don't know if anyone has actually gone through all 800 plus, but I know when we were down in the 500s, 600s, people would say that they have gone back to the beginning and listened to them all. So um, it's just a daily dose of of encouragement. In our case, it's weekly, but now that we've got so many, you could listen to some daily if you wanted to and uh, be encouraged in God's love and grace and in things that you might not necessarily hear in churches and in ministries. We're focused on the new covenant, and a lot of uh, people, as we have discovered, don't really have a an understanding of the new covenant and why and how it's different from the old covenant. So we're sharing a lot of that stuff week to week here on the podcast. How's it going, Mr. Kapler? Just fine. Just fine, Mr. Blizzicky. I'm just uh, looking forward to some of the things we're going to be talking about here in the weeks ahead. And let's let's jump into one this time around. Things that you don't hear in church, but you you probably should. One of the things that you don't hear in church very often, you know, church in general, church buildings, church corporations, religious entities that we started talking about last week or the last couple of weeks, the commandments that came through Moses, the stone tablet commandments from the law within the first covenant, they were set aside, nullified, it came to an end and are no longer a part of the life of a believer in Christ. Now, for those who aren't aware of this, the law of commandments, 613 of them, we know God engraved the 10, but he would order the Israelites later, he would command them to write the entire law. It wasn't just written down on paper that Moses somehow created, but it was something that God would require the Jews to write everything on large stone tablets before they enter the promised land. Why is that? Because it was all one law, not just the top 10, so to speak, but all 613 commandments were part of the same law package. They interacted with each other. They were like a chain link. You know, have you ever set up dominoes before on, on the floor or on a table and you, and you stand them up and then you, you knock the first one and they all start falling down? Well, that's mm. kind of how it was with the law. It was all one package deal. It was bundled together. It couldn't be changed. You couldn't take some stuff out or add some things to it. The law was the law. And it wasn't just pick and choose your favorites. It was the whole thing. And and it was only for Israel. It was only for the Jewish people. The other 99 plus percent of the world, we Gentiles who weren't of that Jewish nation, we were never under that law. Gentiles back then, they, they would have, generally speaking, would have been very, very unfamiliar with that law and, and everything that relates to it. So just a, a few little tidbits here as we lay a foundation. But one thing you seldom hear in church, Joel, is that that law of commandments is something that we have no relationship with in Christ. Right. It, 
But you say that, but Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. He said, do you not do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets? I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, I laugh, but I shouldn't because the truth is, We have been accused of not taking the words of Jesus seriously. We've been accused of running from the words of Jesus, and we're not doing that. In fact, Jesus did say, I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. That's right. He said that, and he stayed true to that. He did fulfill the law. It's the truth that he came to fulfill the law and not to destroy it, not to abolish it but to fulfill it. And so he did. And then what happened? He went to the cross, he died, and he rose again from the dead, and a new covenant began. This is something that is not all that understood. As I said at the beginning, it's not something that's all that understood in the church. There are two covenants. Jesus ministered under the old covenant, you know, he, he, was, he ministered under the law. He was born under the law. And that's what Galatians says, born of a woman, born under the law. And that's what his ministry was to save those under the law. And of course, then that extended to us Gentiles, but we ourselves as Gentiles were never under the law. So what happened after Jesus died? Ephesians 2 and Colossians 2 give us a really good understanding of what happened with this new covenant after Jesus died. You see, there was this distance that the Gentiles and the Jews had. There was some distance between us, a middle wall of separation, it says. And we were also, as Gentiles, we were separated from God. And something had to be done to bring us together, to make us one, to make Jews and Gentiles one, and to bring us to God. And so Ephesians 2 says, For he himself, that's Jesus, is our peace, who has made both one, Jews and Gentiles, has made us one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. That is, so what, what is the enmity? What is the thing that kept that was enmity between us and God and enmity between us and the Jews? The law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace that he might reconcile them both to God, Jews and Gentiles to God, in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And just real quickly, Colossians 2 says something similar. It says, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. He says, you being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And how did he do that? having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He wiped it out, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. I don't know how much clearer it can be. You know, when Jesus said he did not come to destroy or to abolish the law and the prophets, the word that he used was he did not come to dissolve or disunite. This is what the Greek word means. He didn't come to overthrow it or to render it vain deprive it of, of success, to bring it to naught. He himself didn't come to do that. That wasn't his ministry. The ministry of Jesus was actually to teach the law to the people who were under it because they themselves had been abusing it and misusing it and had not been keeping it. 
So Jesus himself taught the law. We did a whole series on this a few years ago, why Jesus taught two covenants. And then, so what Ephesians 2 says, that uh, he abo- it was abolished in his flesh. It was rendered idle, unemployed, inactivate, inoperative. This is the law, the law of commandments. The word abolished there means to cause a person or thing to have no further efficiency, to deprive of force, influence, or power, to cause, to cease, put an end to, do away with, annul, abolish. It can't be made any clearer than that. So when we get our mind on one verse, on one thing that Jesus said, yes, people will say, but Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law. But then you have to, again, take into context the the two covenants, the ministry of Jesus, what happened when he died, what happened when he was raised again from the dead, and you see that it's a lot different than what we think it is. Well, that's for sure. I mean, not necessarily every little jot and tittle, but the vast majority of what Jesus spoke was not directly being spoken to us who live in a new and better covenant. It was towards those people at that time who were still under the law, who still needed to find a better way to righteousness than trying to keep commandments that they could not keep. See, that this is it. I mean, we grace folks, we understand this perfect and holy standard that God set with this package that is known as the law. It was a perfect and holy standard. But the problem is it required perfection. If you couldn't keep it perfectly, it would benefit you uh, almost nothing. As the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 7, it was weak It was useless. Paul said it was not based on faith. Also, the writer of Hebrews said this law of commandments, the stone tablets, it could make nothing perfect. And that's a problem because perfection was a requirement, which Jesus said in that same chapter, Matthew 5, the same chapter where he said he did not come to abolish the law. And Joel, you you explain that really well. Jesus, that wasn't his ministry. He did come to fulfill the law. He did fulfill the law. Romans chapter 8, what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. And and it goes on from there, and there was a lot said before that, but we're just, you know, we don't, we only have so much time here, right? So we can't cover everything perfectly here in one program. But after Jesus rose from the dead, he, he got together with his disciples, scared them a little bit as he came through the wall, but he began to teach them. He said, These are my words that I spoke to you. This is after the resurrection. These are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. This is Luke 24. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed uh, in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And, and so it's, it's so cool. Jesus, again, trying to explain to them, I told you this had to be fulfilled. I have done that now. And who knows what kind of revelation he, he shared with his disciples 
about all of that at that time. So, Joel, there's so many other things we, we could cover here, but one thing I just want to try to squeeze in is that the church people, the church corporations and the, the religious people, when they're talking about this stuff about the law as if they're advocates for it, they're really not. They're faking you out. Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. talking about the real law the authentic law that came from God through Moses. They're talking about their own twisted version of it, their own condensed, modernized version of it. So keep that in mind. Yeah, they will handpick certain laws. Tithing and, is and a very, big one. And very few of them, by the and way. And very few of them. Certain laws that they think, well, well yeah, of course, um, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. And of course, those are you, we don't want to do those things. We don't do those things as believers. That's not who we are. But... They don't realize that there are 613, not just the 10, that there are 613, and they will pick and choose from some of those other 603, other than the 10, um, and water them down and make them into something they feel is doable. But really, what they don't realize is that the ministry of the law was to make people guilty, to condemn people, to impute sin, to make sin abound, Romans 5.20, it brought death. It was against us and contrary to us, as I said. It was enmity with us. It's the strength of sin. The law is the strength of sin, 1 Corinthians 15.56. And so they try to use the law, not realizing all these things, instead of the proper ministry of the law, instead of using the law the way that it was meant to be. Again, not even for us Gentiles in the first place. Well, that's this week's podcast. And yes, we've got more things that we'll talk about in the weeks to come. We get a little fired up about this. I know I get fired up about this particular subject, but more things in the weeks to come that aren't necessarily taught in too many churches, but should be on the Growing in Grace podcast. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski, heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace. Growing in Grace.